Welcome, tennis fans, to Kick Serve, Quick Serve, part of KickServeRadio.com on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. The Kick Serve Radio team features former world number one, the great Mats Vlander, former Texas Longhorn All-American Johnny Levine, and your host, Andy Zoden. So, take it away, AZ. And welcome, everybody. I will take it from there. Thank you, SC, for the nice intro. And welcome to the first KickServe QuickServe, which, uh, as Sarah mentioned, is part of KickServeRadio.com on the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Our team is comprised of the great Mats Vlander, former seven-time Grand Slam champion and former number one in the world, as well as my good buddy from the University of Texas, former two-time Longhorn All-American Johnny Levine, who will be joining me for this quick serve. And Johnny, we're excited because we're being joined by really one of the great American players from your generation, a guy that you grew up with and got to know very well and had the good fortune of actually playing some competitive doubles with, and that is the great Sammy Giamalva. But Johnny, how are you doing? It's good for you and I to be able to get together and team up and talk to Sammy today. Yes, it is, Andy. I'm glad to be back on the show and um, excited uh, for our for our guest, Sammy Giamalva. It's it's been a long time since I've actually connected with him, and excited to talk to him and hear about what he's doing and and talk about his you know past career accomplishments and should be fun. I was always very proud of what you accomplished, Johnny, playing for us at the University of Texas, and I was incredibly proud of what I saw Sammy do representing my hometown of Houston, Texas, one of the great juniors ever to come out of Houston, Texas. And Sammy, first of all, let's just start by saying welcome to KickServeRadio.com. It's so great to catch up with you after all these years. Well, I was really excited more just to talk with you guys and catch up with what y'all are doing and seeing y'all. It's great to see your faces. Sammy, let's talk about the decision that you made to turn pro and forsake an opportunity to play college tennis. Uh, We were all very disappointed at the University of Texas when we thought there was a pretty good chance that you might come and follow in your father's footsteps and play at UT. It was probably down to the University of Texas. You mentioned that you uh, had a great visit uh, at SMU. And of course, we want to take a moment to uh, pass on our condolences to the family of Dennis Ralston, as we know that uh, he passed just very recently. But talk about the decision. You had some great advisors in your camp. Obviously, we mentioned your father, Sam, who had played at the University of Texas, your brother, Tony, who was always part of uh, national championship contending teams at Trinity University. How hard a choice was that for you at that time? Well, for me, that I wanted to turn pro and uh, my father had always just said it. He always tried to put it off and he really felt it was best if I went to college. And he said, look, if you get to top 50, then you can turn pro. And so uh, when I made the finals of River Oaks, I got into the top 50. You know, he couldn't, he couldn't really back off from that. So I really, it wasn't a hard decision at the time for me because I didn't really have the maturity to really contemplate the things that he was thinking about. And so for me, it was like, all right, I can finally turn pro. So Johnny, you come onto our campus uh, at the same time Sammy turns pro, you come onto the campus at the University of Texas, along with Tom Fontana, and you guys represented one of the best recruiting classes in the history of our school, and you immediately become our number one player, and it's a really strong team. Paul Crozier, Craig Carden, Ted Irk, as I mentioned, you and Tom. With the addition of Sammy Jamalva as a part of that team at that time, does that immediately make that team a national championship contending team, in your opinion? Well, it immediately puts me 
from the number one position to the number two position. <laughs> well, I didn't want to say much. that. I don't know about that. <laughs> but I would have I would have gladly accepted that to have Sammy Giamal on that team. You know, Sammy, you talk about how it was kind of between you and your dad to determine whether or not you were going to turn pro. And But what about Tony's influence? You know, he's experiencing this amazing team at Trinity University with Ben McCown and Larry Gottfried and Eric Skursky and John Benson. And I mean, they were legendary. Did he try to say, well, here's an experience that I'm going to take with me for the rest of my life. You might want to consider watching what I've experienced and I would certainly love to see the same for you or there's quite a few years between you guys. Did he just kind of stay out of it? Um, I mean, he was involved in it. You know, there, there was no question of the um, value of being with like a great group of guys from UT or Trinity. I, I would imagine it was, it would have been a great experience, but you know, he was more encouraging at that time as just go pro, you know, Part of it was I had, at that time, I had some contracts that would set my financial security. So that would have been hard to give up. And I didn't know what would happen after college. There was a lot of really good Americans that did very well a couple, you know, two or three years later on the tour. So, you know, I, I was one of eight or 10 guys that, that were in that level. And uh, I, I improved a little bit, but that those contracts might not, not have been there when I got, got out. When you look at that class, Johnny, of yourself and Sammy and Paul Anacone and, you know, Chris Huff, you know, for, for a good period of time, um, there were so many great players, Jimmy Arias and, and, you know, we could go on and on. I, I think back on that group of guys and I see a group of guys that a have really, it seems like remained friends over the years and really rooted for each other. But I see, a lot of different contrasting styles of games. Do you think that that's missing from the junior game now that we're not seeing the stylistic difference in, in the juniors uh, in American tennis, and maybe that's holding American tennis back a little bit. I do think so. I think that the, you know, it's similar to what you see on the tour. I mean, guys for the most part are playing, you know, big baseline shots, big forehands, big backhands, not a lot of variation to the game but the strokes are so strong and the weapons uh, on both sides that guys have now, it inhibits guys from coming to the net. But for the average fan, I think they're missing out on the creativity of, of guys, you know, coming in, slicing, coming in. It's just, there's so much uh, missing from the serve volley and, and the attack game that, that, that when me and Sammy played, and I do think it added quite a nice, uh, variation to, to tennis, but I'd love to get, you know, Sammy's take on that. I mean, he's stayed in tennis and coached tennis and be interesting to see what he says about his, his programs and what he sees out there. I definitely think uh, the contrasting game styles make the game very interesting to see Borg and McEnroe with the servant volley and the ground strokes or Sam Prasakasi later on. And so I, I think it makes it much more interesting than just big ground strokes all the time. So, but the game is amazing now. I think we have a lot of great American players. I think what's different now versus uh, when Johnny and I came up is when Johnny and I came up, you know, 60 players out of the top hundred were American and most of the tournaments were in America. So we had, we saw all the good players. We knew that it was possible. The circuit kind of moved over to Europe. And so now, it's 
very hard for a player that's a good player to, you know, get started because there, there's not that many future events and they're having to travel and it, it makes it almost prohibitively expensive for someone to try to make, make it in the game now from America. And the game now also, you don't just jump in the top hundred. Not that we did it, but it was a lot easier back then. Guys like grind for six, seven, eight years, and then they get in the top hundred and then the top 50 and then, you know, and they break in. So when you turned pro, Sammy, it was, I believe, 81. And you talked about how it was uh, a matter of getting into the top 50, which you did by getting to the finals of River Oaks, which was right there in your backyard in Houston, Texas. But then I also noticed in 1981, a quarterfinal appearance in Dallas in the WCT finals. Now, how did you qualify to get into that draw? Because it seemed like that was the top eight guys, the top points on the WCT tour. And it used, it, it ended up being Borg and Laver and I ball board for Arthur Ashe and, yeah. and Borg and Laver and those guys, when I was 13 years old, uh, growing up in Dallas, then, then moved to Houston. But then I see you're in that draw in 81. Talk about that experience and, and how you got in. The River Oaks was a big WCT event. So right. making the finals of that put me up there. And uh, one of the players got hurt. I, I think it was Yannick Noah that, that got hurt. And so they were calling around on that afternoon. And they called me and said, hey, would you want to play Dallas? And so I flew in that night and played Brian Gottfried on. And I, I remember I was just so freaked out. That was like, I was so, so overwhelming. And I just felt like, I didn't belong. I mean, the senior guys could have beat me. <laughs> I think they had, I remember watching Labor and Roseville play that night and the seniors. And wow. I think they're much better than I am. And I, you know, I just got in, it's kind of a fluke. So it was, it was really exciting. And it was an amazing experience. I remember I was so nervous that they had a presentation and Newcomb had to tell me when to step forward and when to step back. I, I was like frozen. <laughs> so he's like, okay, step forward, Sammy, step back. And I was just, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. You know, what, what I think is just the most incredible thing about Sammy Giamalva was we were playing the last year of the 18s, getting ready to go to college. And Sammy was out on the tour playing against these, you know, top guys and, and actually believing that he could win. And, you know, from my perspective, I, I was a guy that, you know, I always put people on pedestals and it, and it really hurt me because when I got on the court with them, I felt like I didn't really belong there or that I'd always looked up to these guys and how could I beat them? I, I You know, I'd like to ask Sammy, how, how did you have that confidence at such a young age, Sammy? Well, I won a lot in junior, so I built up a lot of confidence. And so I was winning a lot of events and uh, and I... I, you know, it was, it was interesting because there are certain players, like if I walked on the court with Connors or McEnroe, I didn't believe, you know, but then there were certain games that I felt like, geez, I can beat that game. You know, I, I, I wasn't playing the reputation. I just saw the game. I was like, I, I can beat that. I know how, how, how I would play that person. And I could see myself winning that match. But I think that, like explain the run and River Oaks and some of the other tournaments before that, that I did well, I could see myself beating those players, but it's, it's an interesting thing because when I got on the circuit, I lost that because I was losing every week. And then, so I'd play people and I just, 
I quit seeing a way to beat that person. So it was, you know, you can win it, you know, you can have it and you can lose it very quickly. So I had it for a while and it was, it was really nice. Our guest today on the debut of KickServe QuickServe is the great Sammy Giamalva. And Sammy, uh, when we come back, we want to talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy. Johnny touched on it a little bit earlier. I want to touch on it again. Uh, we'll be back with more with Sammy Giamalva. Don't go away on KickServe QuickServe right after this. Nestled in the spectacular Sun Valley area in Haley, Idaho, Matt's V-Lander Tennis allows athletes like you and me to train inside so that we can excel outside. Former number one and seven-time, yep, that's right, seven-time Grand Slam champion Matt's V-Lander now owns Gravity Fitness and Tennis. And let me tell you, Gravity is the premier fitness and tennis club in the Sun Valley area. They have it all, including indoor tennis, lots of high-quality training equipment in a clean and bright, spacious workout area. They have yoga and Pilates, as well as hydro options. They also have martial arts and something I had never seen before, TRX suspension training. But most importantly, let's talk about the tennis. You will be trained by one of the all-time greats in the sport of tennis. Time on court with mats is an amazing experience, one I assure you you will never forget. After my clinic with Matt's, every time I step on the court, I hear that focused intensity in that charming Swedish accent, reminding me of all the techniques that improve my game and get results. So grab your family, your friends, or the whole tennis team and head out to Haley, Idaho for a tennis experience of a lifetime. Go to mattsvlandertennis.com to find out what's in store for you when you get to Gravity Fitness and Tennis in beautiful Haley, Idaho. Back again, kickserveradio.com. We are kickserve quickserve today. This is our first one, and we're joined by Sammy Jamalva. And Sammy, we've talked a lot about the junior days and the why not college days, but turning pro and, and all that good stuff. But now, you know, you're running a big program. You've you've got a son that's already played college tennis, and now you're working with a lot of juniors. When you're out there with these kids, what is the philosophy that you are trying to impart upon them? Is what you are doing as a player, something that you're trying to impart on these players, or is the game so drastically different that you're saying, well, kind of, you know, here's how I did it, but here's how maybe I think you should do it. No, I don't think it's the game's really changed that much to, to like change your philosophy. Okay. I think it's, you know, it's very important to get really big shots. You know, you want to work on the big shots. So maybe that's a, a little bit, but I work on the things that count the serve and the return and, and having a big forehand or know how to get to the net or, or whatever. So you have to work the weapon. I, I think it's a culture too. You got to have a, a really good training culture where the kids are engaged and they're motivated and you got to, you know, Boletari did a great job with his kids. It just, it was just a motivating environment for the kids and they see, you know, everyone working really hard and that's just, they enjoy it and, it's just, it's just such a joyful place to be with the kids because you see the kids work so hard. So I think that's important. And I think playing the events 
are really important. You got to, you got to have the competition and you, the coaches have to travel and see the kids play so they can come back and they know what to work on when they get back. So I think that kind of combination and, and then really keeping it healthy, uh, really understanding what the kid, why the kid's playing tennis and why he's motivated and making sure you keep it healthy in their lives, I think, and, and not get off kilter. Do you feel like the fact that you had your father, you had your brother, and then I also remember you working a lot with Jimmy Parker. So, I mean, I think back on some of those influences on you, and it just seems like you've got so much to draw from uh, being obviously the father of a tennis player and the son of a tennis player and the brother of a tennis player. Do you feel like you've been at a distinct advantage to draw from all these? And I don't want to leave out Mary Jo, uh, your sister who I went to school with, who was also a great player in her own right. So, so many players, you are the baby of the family. Everybody's rooting for you. Did that put you at, at somewhat of an advantage to, as you say, kind of, kind of keep it healthy? My father was amazing. You know, he's, he's an amazing person and uh, amazing dad. And, he had the ability to make everything so much fun, and uh, he was a great teacher. Somehow, I never felt pressure as a junior. I just loved it. I was just so uh, – I lived it, breathed it. That's kind of how it was for you as well, Johnny. I mean, your father, very shrewd guy, uh, had great business instincts but great sports instincts. I mean, obviously, you, your father and, and Sammy's dad, very, very different, but I think there were some similarities there too. Well, it was interesting when we did play doubles together at the 14 hard courts. I remember it. Um, I believe I lost to Huff in the semis. Did, who did you play in the semis of that? I lost to Mako. So, so you lost in the semis. I lost in the semis. We played for third place. We got to the finals of the doubles. And I remember distinctly, you know, as these junior tournaments, like all tournaments, happen you know it clears out I mean you start with a big field you get down to the end and then it's just a few of the kids and the parents and it was um you know me and Sammy and and a couple of the other guys and and my dad and 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 Sammy's dad and because we were playing doubles together we you know we would kind of hang out a little bit and I you know it was interesting my dad would tell me that you know Sammy's dad was quite a player you know and 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 he was coaching Sammy, and so we felt totally outmanned <laughs> by having Tony Giamalva or Sammy Giamalva Senior um, be coaching Sammy. So we we did the best we could, and at least we got to play doubles together and get to the finals. But he whooped on me up on me pretty good in the in the semis. But but my dad was was very similar in the sense that I mean he didn't have the tennis background. He did play some tennis, but nothing. I mean, what, what, what Sammy's dad did in, in the tennis world is, is, you know, not many people had those kind of results. I mean, he was a Grand Slam finalist and, you know, won a Davis Cup and all these kinds of things that were amazing and, and, and amazing college results. But playing with, with, with Sammy and even getting some advice from him in the doubles from his dad was great. My dad was, was, was good in the sense, similar in the sense that he didn't put pressure on me. So, so that, was a, that was a good commonality. But um, no comparison to having a father like, like Sammy's dad, um, who just knew the game so well. And I think that, that looking back at Sammy's career, having Tony, who was a phenomenal player too, a top hundred player. I mean, you know, those were great assets for him to, 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 to draw from, like you said, Andy, and I'm sure it, it helped Sammy become the player that he was. And I think Sammy, before we call it a day here, let's talk about, 
what you and I had in common, which was just growing up and playing junior tennis in Texas and how many great players there were, you know, here I'm a guy that's just trying to, you know, scratch and claw and maybe make it into the main draw of a national tournament here and there. And, you know, you guys are off winning these things, but I still got the opportunity to occasionally, you know, step foot on the court with you guys from time to time, which that was enough for me to to continue to stoke my fire, to want to get better and, and compete. But, but Sammy, there were lots of guys from Dallas and Houston and San Antonio and Austin and Corpus Christi. I mean, that was sort of a golden age of, of junior tennis back in Texas in those days, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah I mean, it was in a great group of guys too. You yeah. Know, we, we had a blast at these tournaments. I, I, that's what, you know, I think you love a game, not just because you like hitting tennis balls. It's, 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 there's so much that goes into it. It's, it's the people that you're around. It's the environment. It's the, there's just so much that I love about tennis, but a lot of it is from the memories of, being with my dad or having a great time at the nationals or all that contributes to uh, growing more passion, more committed to as a player. And such great rivalries back in those days, you had, you had Giamalva versus Huff. Yeah. You had David Dallin versus Jeff Turpin. I mean, Dallas versus Houston. I mean, those two guys couldn't be more polar opposites and it created so much intrigue when you and Chris set foot on the opposite sides of the net from each other. People definitely wanted to watch that when David and Jeff Turpin and, and, and Jay DeLuey and Bill Scanlon and all these different, you know, uh, generations of great players back in Texas and, and, and you and Huff were among the best rivalries that I recall back in those days. What do you, what do you remember about that? I just remember he had a lot of girlfriends and I didn't date any. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> says that. I was so jealous. That. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I can beat him on the court. But he was like a very mature kid. And they were older oh, girls yeah. too. Yes, yeah, they were. Was, yeah, I know. They were older and they were pretty. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could barely talk to a girl at 14. This was way beyond his years. And so just true. because of this conversation, I'm, I know he's going to want to tune in. And I will make sure he does. Johnny, any last words before we uh, before we thank Sammy for joining us? No, I just think we're privileged to have Sammy. It's so great to reconnect. And, and you know, I, I think that it would just be so interesting for the Americans today to understand what Sammy Giamalva, what he did in, 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 for, with American tennis being basically the first guy that turned pro, you know, right out of, junior tennis and, and, and was successful and, um, and, and was just a tremendous player and, and even a better person. And like I said, before the, the show, I think one of the, the great things that I always admired about Sammy was how, when he retired from tennis and, you know, he went back and got his college degree. And I, I mean, it just was so impressive to me that, that, that he did that and, and, and probably didn't have to, if he, you know, had a career and whatever he wanted to decide, but to go back and do that at an older age showed what Sammy's all about, which is tenacity, persistence, and focus. And um, he's just one of the great, great guys that I remember from the juniors and the pros and, and just happy to know him. And, and not just any degree, Rice University. I mean, this wasn't, you know, Houston Community College, that's for sure. That's right. Sammy, thank you so much for joining us on the first 
kick serve quick serve on kickserveradio.com part of the tennis channel podcast network it has really been a pleasure for johnny and myself and uh hopefully we'll get a chance to visit again like this and hopefully you and i don't lose touch uh that we all stay in touch a little bit more often than every 30 years or so yeah i hope we stay in touch and it was great talking to you guys and it's great reconnecting thank you so much